What is it like to do history in public, for the public, in collaboration with the public? Most people experience history as something less than their favorite subject in elementary or secondary school, a tangle of names, dates, and events, knowledge of which helps us, well, often it isn't quite clear how it helps us at all. History is about remembering, and choosing what to remember about the past is an ancient practice that we do every day. Public historians make that process formal. They sift through traces of the past and try to decide, usually with input from people outside the academic world, what speaks most clearly about the way people in the past lived that past, and what we would do well to remember now. Last year, a graduate class of CSU Fullerton History and American Studies students went on the road, getting to know the North Long Beach neighborhood, meeting and interviewing its people, researching its past, and working with a local nonprofit organization called We Are the Next, led by Katie Raspoli Kiyotami, to create an educational website and a walking history tour on Atlantic Avenue's sidewalk near Jordan High School in Houghton Park, a diverse neighborhood that reflects great demographic change over time. The project, called For the Record, a story engagement area in North Long Beach, is slated to be complete in 2019. None of the students knew the neighborhood or even been there before the project began. Cynthia Castaneda. I got involved uh, primarily with the research team. That was my primary like department during the entire process. And, I mean, to be perfectly honest, when I first enrolled in the class, I was just excited to do anything that was public history because when I took the undergrad-level course back at Cal Poly, it's kind of what pushed me to decide this is what I want to do as a career. So now at the grad level, I thought, well, what's next for me? And then, lo and behold, we're teaming up with an organization to design an actual exhibit that I would get to see and the public would get to see and just the opportunity just screamed fireworks in my head thinking, oh, my gosh, this, this is it. And um, to be perfectly honest, the primary component for me was just doing the research of it. We had a timeline that we had to fill in with facts about primarily the North Long Beach area of Long Beach. Um, but as everything tends to happen, things changed. Uh, the timeline changed, so we had to adapt to that. Um, what was originally North Long Beach became most of Long Beach, including nearby areas. So it involved a lot of keep up and catch up and try to make sure that what you have fits what's being requested and then also adding about twice as much of the information to be able to make sure you get like the full picture of the of the history which was very very vast I mean we're talking Native Americans 1500s well before that but we hit about as far back as about 14 and 1500s with some of the native uh, cultures that were in the area, and we came as far forward as present day with uh, the Rodney King riots in 1990s to um, Mayor Garcia being elected, Rex Richardson, and uh, over time maybe it'll adapt. Brenda St. Hilaire put her oral history training to use as she got to know the neighborhood. I had the pleasure to interview one particular resident. Her name is uh, Winifred Carter, and she's a 99-year-old resident of North Long Beach. Um, so to be able to have the privilege to hear her life story and hear her memories of the history that she experienced from World War II to, Korean, to the Korean War to the Watts riots um, was, was, was actually life-changing for me. It really was um, because 
it brought history to life and it really made it crystal clear to me how important it is to have the voices of those folks that may not be heard to be actually heard, to give, to give the opportunity to, to have those people that may be overlooked, give them the opportunity to share their life histories. So it was, it was an honor. Brenda joined other students going door to door, introducing the project to residents. Patrick Huarte also walked the streets and rang doorbells. It was nice seeing, it was nice interacting with the community, uh, speaking, to them, speaking to them about the project. It was, it was nice. And it, like, the thing is, is that it's really interesting with, with, with going door to door and, you know, you initially go up and you knock on their door and you give them your, your spiel. But then when you say uh, Rex Richardson, all of a sudden doors would open up. And who's and Rex Richardson? Rex Richardson is the vice mayor of, uh, North, of, of Long Beach. And um, it was just crazy how it would completely shift because, you know, we're so used to people coming up to our door and trying to, like, haggle and try to get us to buy something. But for us, it was more of, like, an invitation to partake in this community project. And when they would hear his name, like, people would get excited because they know who he is. He, he lives in the community. He's around all the time. He's going around. They, he's always in his office, so people can even go up to the office and just speak with him. So... Whenever, uh, whenever you, you say his name, it just opens up so many doors and a lot of people are willing to even like volunteer their time or even provide input. They're really, they're, they become more curious for sure, especially when they know he's involved. So it was nice, it was nice. It, they would go from kind of like skeptical and cold to completely just talking your ear off. And it was great, you know? Brenda St. Hilaire. We had a couple of objectives. First of all, we wanted to let the community know what we were planning to do so that when our installation of the timeline along the sidewalk, and that's what we hope to, to install fairly soon, a historical timeline of the history of North Long Beach, they would know what they're seeing on the floor. That was number one. And number two, we were hoping to get more narrators involved in the oral history portion. And, and find out how they ended up in North Long Beach or if they're multi-generational North Long Beach residents. Um, so that was our second objective. And I, I have to concur with Patrick, getting the endorsement of Vice Mayor Rex Richardson on this project was, was beyond beneficial. It was almost a, a blessing in and of itself because not only is Rex the Vice Mayor, but he's the council member that represents this district. And he's a very politically astute um, elected official and has done uh, extensive groundwork in his in his council district so so we so everyone knew who he was so because we had the endorsement of his office we really had carte blanche within the within the neighborhood North Long Beach is not the most prosperous or powerful part of the city but students like Brenda found it to be quite wealthy when it came to great stories and community spirit a North Long Beach to this day has a bit of a stigma for one reason or another. Um, most of the political power base is based downtown or along the coast. Um, so North Long Beach can be easily forgotten. And we had um, the opportunity to hear the, the voices and the stories of these North Long Beach residents share with us how they fought for their rights to be heard, for their part, 
for their portion, the portion of the redevelopment dollars to be spent in North Long Beach, and how they've all banded together as almost a crusade to have North Long Beach represented. And what I loved about hearing their stories is that they represent the the multicultural um, uh, profile of of the neighborhood: whites, Hispanics, um, Asians, blacks. Um, and they've all come together to, to have their, to protect their neighborhood and to, and to advance their neighborhood. I actually lived in a community adjoining North Long Beach. Um, I lived in the Bixby Knowles, uh, Virginia Country Club neighborhood. And I'm ashamed to admit it, but I would avoid North Long Beach driving home from the, you know, from wherever I was um, because it had a bad reputation of not being safe, of gang violence. Um, so I would stay on that 710 or on that 405 freeway a little longer just to avoid North Long Beach. Having walked uh, the neighborhoods, I'm ashamed of having felt that um, because it was, it was a safe neighborhood. I really think it's going through a renaissance right now. Um, and so that's, that's another reason why I'm pr proud to be involved in this project because we can help dispel that, that, that myth of what North Long Beach maybe was at one time, but no longer is. Listen as longtime Long Beach resident Winifred Carter speaks to the changing reputation of North Long Beach. If, if it's somebody who's uh, living in the, in the east side or something like that, they mm -hmm. say North Long Beach, they're, they're thinking of it as a dilapidated area mm -hmm. or a run-down area mm -hmm. or an area that's don't go up there because there's a lot of crime or something like that. But it's not that way any, mm -hmm. anymore. The crime has just about dissipated. I look at, hear the crime reports and all, and it's not, it, it, there's crime in all areas. Of course. And it's not concentrated in any just one area. Mm -hmm. And North Long Beach, even though it had that bad name at one time, it's, it's, it's you know, they've worked it out. Mm -hmm. And people are homeowners now, they're mm -hmm. taking more interest in their homes and their families and their children. Cynthia Castaneda. I honestly wasn't very familiar with North Long, North Long Beach as a whole. Uh, I knew Long Beach, and even then, um, I'm born and raised in Southern California, but I'd only been to Long Beach a couple of times at most. Um, but I did remember when I was walking around, there was a friendly nature, nature to the area, even if at times there was um, almost a tense surrounding the people that we encountered on the various occasions were very kind and generous. I, a friend of mine actually lives in North Long Beach and when I told her that I was working on the project, I, um, she and I kind of teamed up and we just ran around the park for a little bit and kind of just started talking to people randomly and most of them were really kind and I actually also used that kind of as groundwork to find out what the people know about their own backyard mm -hmm. and unfortunately the answer was very little uh, just because it's not discussed and you know unless it's discussed no one's really gonna learn it um, so what it was North Long Beach as a whole is the perfect idea of don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, maybe it's um, a little rough in some areas, but there's a lot of heart and history there that little by little I'm really happy to see is kind of coming out and people are starting to appreciate it for the beautiful community that it actually is over time, thanks to Vice Mayor Richardson's help and just the community as a whole coming together. Long Beach resident Dan Pressburg on the evolution of North Long Beach. North Long Beach is 
the unpolished gem of the city. Oh, yay. That is the truth of the matter. It is really, it's not a diamond in the rough. I think it's more, it's getting to be a diamond that's, that needs its luster polished up oh, a little okay. bit more. Patrick Warte. I engaged with North Long, well, Long Beach in general through like, because uh, I'm part of like sort of the Southern California like hip hop community. So like, I mean, you initially hear about things through music and, you know, obviously, like, gangster rap comes out of that region, along with, like, Compton. You have Snoop Dogg coming out of Long Beach as well. Uh, in addition, like, I had friends that would go and hang out in Long Beach and in, like, the 2000s and even even now. And, like, they would talk about how, you know, you'd be, you'd be hanging out in the backyard, kicking it, and all of a sudden you'd hear gunshots and people would, like, be like, oh, shoot. And then sort of, like, you know, you'd, you'd chill out and wait for it to, like, calm down and then bust out or like jump over a fence and like try to run down the street I understand like that side of it but that's just a small portion of it you know it's it's a vibrant community that they have working class people that live there that are just trying to like live their lives the best that they can um, like the gang violence all those things that's part of it and there's a deep historical root that actually Rex Richardson discussed when he met with us as to why for instance there's so much there was so much tension going on in the community. Um, and, but for me, like, you know, I've, I hang out with people who come from those communities. They're like, they're really good people. Like, they're very, very welcoming. They're just trying to live their lives. And like, in all honesty, like North Long Beach, like, I, when you, when you walk through the community, you can tell, like there's, pe there's children walking around at night. Um, there's people walking their families around. It's pretty well lit. Uh, People are smiling, looking at you. Usually if you're like in a really shady place, people will be like mad dogging you, trying to figure <laughs> out like, like what's going here? on. Yeah. And for them, it was just like, you just see people casually walking around. Like usually at night, if it was a really bad neighborhood, like there wouldn't be anyone on the streets except for like a few like suspicious people on the street corners. Right. Um, this one, like you had students like hanging out, talking. We walked by a group of high school students next to the high school that was right there and and uh, it was funny. One of the students heard uh, the students say, "Like, are they are they like church people? Like, are they, are they like is it like a Bible group or something like that?" And it was just you know, like it's just a chill community to be in. So, and I was really excited just because you know you talked. We we engaged with several community members, and they were really excited the project was going on. And so you you see an investment. I mean, one of the one of the things that I really liked the most it was Brenda and I were walking through the neighborhood. And we were going door to door. Uh, I go up to this one door. Uh, it was like open with like the shutter in the front. And uh, at first the guy was skeptical. I dropped Rex Richardson's name. He comes out, starts talking about how like he had a, uh, like a, one of the oldest like barbecue spots like in North Long Beach. He starts talking about like how uh, in their community once a year they have a block party. Uh, that doesn't sound like a community that is suffering from like a ton of violence. That doesn't sound like it's like a, a bad neighborhood. That sounds like a community that's trying to not only band together, but to continue to develop a culture together uh, and forge a holistic identity. You know, he was talking about how he would make uh, his barbecue and how he, he was saying how like, you know, you have so many different types of like Central Americans and you know, like South Americans in the neighborhood that you could try every single type of taco, you know? <laughs> and I think for me, like that's something that's 
very unique about like communities like that, you know, that they that they want to create a family environment, that they want to have their kids running around getting to know each other and getting to know each other's neighbors. That's something that I didn't really grow up with. Winnie Carter on the appeal of Long Beach. I just love the atmosphere. It's just to me, Long Beach is a beautiful place. I wouldn't want to live in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Not that I've ever lived there, but I just don't feel that it's it's the homey type place, right. you know. But Long Beach, I think, is so home-like. People greet each other, you know. Mm -hmm. They they they're friendly to each other. I could walk into Vaughn's store, which is just about around the mm -hmm. corner. I know where Vaughn's is. And everybody says hello, you know. Mm -hmm. They know you. They smile. Uh, they see me with a the walker. They yeah. don't want to get in front of me, you know. I mean, it's just a, a, good, a good group of people. Okay. And to me, it's it's the way people should be. You know? Right. Patrick Warte. I grew up in like an upper middle class community in Ranch Cucamonga. Everyone goes into their home. That's it. You know, and then yet over there, like we were talking to this guy and he was talking about how like the neighbor in front of him was living there since like the 1950s. If you want to talk to the oldest community member, it was like down the street at like the end of the cul-de-sac. Like, I don't know those things about Rancho Cucamonga, but he did because of the block party, because of those events. And, and that's so, you know, that, that ties into like the culture that's out there is that they're trying to, you know, they're trying to like develop their community in that sense. And so... It's very interesting. It's definitely worth uh, investigating and, and trying to understand on its own terms versus seeing sort of the pop culture that mm -hmm. is, is promoted through, through like television, you know? Like that's, that's a dr dramatized version of like reality. And this, this community is so much more multifaceted than what we see on TV. Here's Dan Pressburg again on the future of North Long Beach. Eventually, this is going to be the place not only to be, but the place to come and see. Yeah, okay. And not to be poetic, but that's really the way it is. And when I say that, not only am I sincere about it, you can see that we're headed that way. Mm -hmm. And more so than any other part of town. Mm -hmm. Because the, we're not trying to recreate the wheel. We're taking ideas from everywhere and anywhere we can mm -hmm. get them. We're honing them to what our needs are and then making it shine. And that's, that's what North Long Beach is. The class benefited from community leaders and organizations who helped in a variety of ways. Brent McLeod, um, who is Rex Richardson's aide, was phenomenal. He was patient, kind, would help lead. We were just trying to look for um, help, you know, helping us identify key people in the community. I would email him at 10.30 at night asking for help, and by the morning I would get a response. He was really amazing. For me, it was during the research process when I was at the Historical Society. Um, like I mentioned, we really didn't have too much of a guideline on where to begin, and everyone at the Historical Society was just so kind. And I, I when I sent the email saying, okay, this is what I'm going to need, to be perfectly honest, I was taking a complete shot in the dark. I honestly had no idea where to begin except a potential, like, decade. And what they had set up for me, they had boxes and boxes of maps and historical documents and letters from the Houghton family. For those who don't know, the Houghtons were the founders of the area. Um, actual personal letters that they brought out for me. And little by little, I was able to kind of create my little path of what I was going to do. 
thanks to the help that they gave me at the Historical Society, not only like their support, but also the documents and the resources. The oral history component yielded a series of interviews offering insight into the neighborhood. It was three of us that actually did oral history interviews, um, Helen, Yoshida, and Victoria Garcia, and myself, and Sierra Sampson um, did all the background work involved in oral histories. Um, and we interviewed, we each interviewed two people, and we all, and they were basically community activists. Um, they turned out to be predominantly women um, who have been, you know, fighting the good fight for North Long Beach, having their voices heard, whether it's getting more redevelopment money towards North Long Beach or getting vote, uh, people to register to vote. Um, Winifred Carter, the lady that I interviewed who's 99 years old, has done basically every volunteer job imaginable in Long Beach in general, from being a, a volunteer uh, resource police officer, and she became a volunteer police officer at the age of 65, um, to, to being the to reading to kindergartners at local schools. Um, so these people that we interviewed really are the backbone of the community. Patrick Huarte's team worked on marketing and a website. There were so many different things going on. For instance, marketing team met with We Are The Next and, and met with Katie, uh, who is the executive director for We Are The Next, uh, to figure out not only sort of the vision for the project, but also sort of the ways in which we would uh, engage with the community, uh, the sort of voice that would be consistent throughout the blog that would trace not only uh, a transparent look into the inner mechanisms of the website and the project, but also uh, provide reasons as to why we were pursuing the project and the ultimate goals of what we we're trying to accomplish. So she, she was definitely uh, providing us input on, on that, the voice, the public-facing voice, but also the, the sort of marketing materials that would be shown throughout the community, uh, the different uh, sort of writing, like uh, different sort of marketing materials. Uh, the digital component was interesting in the sense that while we were going through it, I was also having to like learn about it in uh, digital theory. We utilized this program called Omeka, which is a database program that uh, allows for people to also build out exhibits, digital exhibits, uh, so that we could then create like and further extensions. For instance, if we wanted to continue forward with the project, uh, we could create like special articles that further deconstruct like special topics. The website right now, as it is, ha has a more or it has a timeline that incorporates all of the research and it also incorporates the oral histories too with a small database of select uh, transcripts and select uh, uh, oral histories. Cynthia Castaneda coordinated the efforts of the research team. Yeah, I think it totaled into about like 10 people if you include the primary members and then the secondary members. Um, and yeah, we pretty much decided to 
volunteer kind of this is the time period that interests us let's go ahead and split it up that way so that we have more like push to want to be able to research uh, for example one of our uh, team members his name was Jonathan he was very into the naval aspects of the city of Long Beach so that was his primary focus um, so 1900s to the 1940s um, I decided early on that I my interest varies significantly so I decided to be a bit of the filler who would kind of help out where help was needed and try to pitch in that way. So I did a lot of research. My research extended about 100 or so years. Um, I went as far back as the Houghton family in the 1880s or so. Um, Sir uh, Otis Houghton, who was the patriarch and kind of the main man behind the history of North Long Beach. And I went as far up as the Rodney King riots. Uh, of the 90s, uh, which a lot of people think, oh, well, that was primarily based in L.A. Nope, it went all the way to Long Beach. There was initial, I guess you could say, tension from the riots that started in North Long Beach at a gas station there. Um, so that just kind of shows you just how much detail went into it. And I haven't even gotten close, you know. Uh, a couple of our team members went back into the native, like, history there, and um, that went as far back as about the 14-1500s. So there was a lot of history that had to be researched. And then the big pickle was, okay, so we know we have all this information. How in the world are we going to transcribe it into a timeline that is actually, I don't know, feasible for someone who just happens to be strolling down to comprehend? And the answer was, it was kind of doable, but at the same time, we had to be realistic about it. And one thing that we all really wanted to do was to make sure that the things that we picked would be of interest to the public, something that they actually found like, oh, that's cool. So for example, although it had nothing to do with North Long Beach technically, I did make a label dedicated to the fact that Otis Hunt married two members of the Donner Party. Because a lot of people know about the Donner Party, and yeah, it has nothing to do with North Long Beach, but it does have to do with the fact that he married two of the Donner Party survivors. And for those of you guys who don't know who the Donner Party is, um, Sierra Nevada's a winter, a family, and some unspeakable acts, let's call it that. But yeah, so I found that very interesting. So I wanted to include little snippets of things that either people could relate to or want to learn more about so that it could kind of like push them to continue wanting to read rather than just walking down the street. Doing public history is risky in that rather than hole up with research materials and write in isolation, historians also engage with the community, but some principles are the same. You always have more material than you'll use in the end, and sometimes the best laid plans can go awry. Cynthia Castaneda. The big thing that I learned and have now accepted is that I can prepare and dedicate as much time and effort and hours and tears, but I'm never going to get the full story. It's just there's too much there. If it's North Long Beach or if it's the history of Fullerton or anything like that, you're never going to get the full story, but you've got to do your best and just accept it now rather than seeing it as, I guess you could say, a defeat or failure. Just accept it and do your best. Without a doubt, don't be a defeatist and say, well, uh, it's not going to work out, so I'm just going to give up now. No, accept it, but at the same time, use it to push you and know that there's going to be a lot of things that's going to get in the way. It's never going to go off flawlessly. Just use that as fire to keep going. Brenda St. Hilaire. What I really enjoyed about this course was that not only were we in the field in Long Beach, you know, talking to the folks that live there and the, 
the elected officials and the civic leaders, but we were also doing um, readings that went hand in hand with the work that we were doing in the field. So fortunately through that coursework, through the readings, through the, through the assigned assignments, we didn't feel so alone. Because as we hit frustrations, whether with different organizations in the community or with just everyday scheduling blips, um, we could read in the course, okay, well, this person went through the same thing in downtown LA, or this, so I'm not alone, or I'm not professional enough that, that if maybe if I worked a little harder, I wouldn't have confronted this. No, these hiccups happen in every project. And so that provided me at least some comfort. Patrick Huarte. One of the things I learned in this project, doing the, the digital component, I'll get back to the educational component because it ties in. But one of the things I learned uh, working on the digital component was what is the ultimate goal of a digital history project? Okay, What is the ultimate goal of creating a public-facing project that has history, that has like whatever sort of components you want to have, have in there? What's the ultimate goal? It is cultivating discernment. It's not necessarily trying to tell people what to think, but in attempting to cultivate the ability for the general audience and the public to decide for themselves mm -hmm. what is real and not real, what is historical and not historical, what, like, what is your opinion on, your, on the reality that you live in, in the world that you live in? Like, how do you develop the ability to navigate narratives, historical narratives? How do you develop uh, the ability to decide what you want to believe in and what you don't want to believe in? And, and sort of like if we take all the different components of the, of the, of the website, we take, for instance, the blog. We take, for instance, the research that the research team had done, which is amazing. But talking to the research team, talking to the oral historians who have to understand uh, their, the subjects on their own terms and, and being in those sort of really intimate, like really intimate space and giving them that space and helping guide that conversation, that's an amazing thing to see. And that's an amazing thing to be part of because that's history on the front lines. Um, and then, you know, incorporating that into like a digital component and then this is where we get to the educational part, taking all that information and then giving that to the public and ask, and then asking them, well, what do you think about it? And then work with it and sort of figure out for yourself what you want to, what you want to like sort of continue. You know, this is, this is sort of like the beginning of a conversation. You know, this project is the, is supposed to get people interested. It's not necessarily supposed to be like, this is it. You know, this is, if anything, it's a starting point for deeper inquiry and an invitation for the general audience and, and the community of North Long Beach to enter into the conversation of history. Because history is a conversation at its heart. It's a, it's a conversation with the past, you know. And in, and in building these different projects and, and through the educational component, being able to empower the community to pursue their own sort of investigations themselves. Uh, that's, that's what it was all about. The website will go live in 2019 as well. We have a small database of historical objects and photographs from the past, specific to North Long Beach, taken from different, you know, different library archives and databases. And so those are available for, for people to look at uh, you can access the oral histories there. You can access the timeline with all the information that the research team had done uh, with citations as well. Uh, and then 
Oh, yeah. And of course, like the educational packet for uh, students and teachers, educators to engage with, which I, 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 I can't press it enough. If you're an educator and you're looking for something to talk, if you're talking about like local history, California history, and you're in Long Beach, by all means, go and check that out because that is a great packet to look at. I was, I can't say enough about it. It's, it's great. And the students have created new sources for historians of the future. Well, they are now part of the collection here at Coff, the Center of Oral and Public History here at Cal State Fullerton. And we will also have the, the oral histories available online and linked, um, where you can hear wonderful stories of, of the history of Long Beach and, and phenomenal people. So that's the For the Record project. Look on the Center's social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter for updates on the project in 2019. The students got an education on doing history in public and also found that you just don't know what will happen when you knock on an unfamiliar door, as Patrick Guarte recalls. So the story is, okay, so uh, Brent and I were, were walking down like the first road that we were assigned and at the end of the road there was this house. I remember this house, it's like this purple house. And um, so we're walking around, and I had been so, like, I didn't really have any good luck with that street at all. Every door that I would go up to, people were just like, nah, I'm not interested. And so, like, I'm like this. This is the first time I ever did, like, door-to-door -door canvassing in a community. I was trying to learn the script uh, of, like, what to say properly, and I was getting shot down almost consistently. So I'm like this nervous wreck of a grad student walking down the whole street. Meanwhile, I'm like looking across and Brenda's like chatting up all these people. I'm like, she has like all these wonderful people. Like, I'm like, why did I get stuck with all these like cold people who are like looking at me like, oh, I don't want to buy anything. And I'm like, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just, I want to talk to you about a project. And it's just like, no, I'm not interested. So I get to the end, I knock on the door and I just hear like a faint like, hello? And... I'm like, oh, hello? And then, like, nothing happens. And so I just start talking. I start going to my spiel. Oh, hi, my name is Patrick Guarte. You know, I'm a graduate student from Cal State Fullerton's history department. Yada, yada, yada. I don't even get to, like, my third line. And, just, and I hear again go, hello? And I'm like, oh. Uh, hi? And it goes, hello there. And I'm like, hi. And it goes, just dead quiet, so I go again, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, let me start over again, and it goes, hello there, and I'm like, oh, God, oh, my gosh, don't tell me, and I see, like, this, like, movement in the back, and I don't want to be rude, I don't want to, like, peer through the grate, because, like, it's just, I see, like, the shadow moving, but, like, I'm like, you know what, dude, this is really weird, so I look, and I'm like, oh my God, it's a parrot. I've been talking to a parrot this whole time. Beads of sweat going down, like, you know, when I get nervous, like beads of sweat going down my, my forehead. I'm just like, oh my God, no. And like, so I like, I leave and like Brenda's like just chilling on the corner and she's like, what's up? Like, how did, how did your, how did your street go? How did your side of the street go? And I'm like... Dude, you, I just spoke to a parrot for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and then she was like, really? And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I really, you know what? You handle it. Everyone loves you. You handle it. So like, that was basically it. That was, oh my gosh. But the parrot talked to you. Yeah. It did. It did. 
<laughs> Animals have a sense. You know, warmly. they trusted you. you know, war- yeah, but no one else did. No one else did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The best story of the whole semester. Yes. Yeah. Patrick sure. and the parrot. Thanks to Katie Rispoli-Kiotani and We Are the Next, all the Spring 2018 Seminar in Public History students, and to Cynthia Castaneda, Patrick Guarte, and Brenda St. Hilaire for joining us on Outspoken. For our producer, Carrie Markin, this is Benjamin Cawthra. Until next time.